Hello, America. You are listening to the DMZ America podcast for Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Coming to you from the left, I am editorial cartoonist Ted Rawl. And I'm editorial cartoonist Scott Stantis coming to you from the right. As we join you today, uh, there is concerning uh, ratcheting up of tensions over an already tense situation in Ukraine. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin uh, has announced that the Russian government intends to supervise plebiscites, uh, which are elections, in the Russian-controlled territories of Donetsk, Luhansk, and throughout the Donbass, uh, which is currently uh, Russian-dominated, pro-Russian. Uh, these are uh, ethnic Russians, Russian-speaking people. Russia has already given out, uh, if I remember the numbers correctly, over half a million Russian passports to the citizens of the uh, Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics, uh, which are sort of Soviet-styled, uh, sort of pseudo-communist states uh, that are uh, pro-Russia and aligned with Russia and have been shelled by Ukraine proper uh, for the last eight years. Uh, it is widely viewed as a uh, set, uh, reflection of the uh, setbacks that uh, Ukraine has, I'm sorry, that uh, Russia has suffered in the, on the battlefield in recent days. Uh, basically, the strategy here appears to be uh, declare these parts uh, annexed and parts of Russia, and then if they are attacked or invaded by Ukraine, uh, Russia will then say, you are now, Ukraine is attacking the territorial integrity of Russia, and Russia has the right to use any means up to and including nuclear weapons to defend itself. This is a uh, big deal uh, to add to the um, to the uh, rhetoric. Uh, Putin said, "I am quote." This is a quote. I am you have not- to say it in the Putin your Putin accent. Do your I, best Putin accent. I am I am not bluffing. Uh, so, <laughs> so that is so. That's you know. I mean, I, I think it's. I take this very seriously. Uh, you know. Well, let's let's also uh, another story that's you know a little disconcerting is that he's also called up. Uh, he's going to expand calls up more troops as the war uh, effort falters there in, in in Ukraine, which means he's. I mean, it's, and I think that that is a, a quantum um, and a very disturbing uh, uh, development as well. Uh, so. I mean, what does all this mean, Ted? I mean, you, 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 you've been now. Now this means. I think what this means, if I may, is that uh, the war comes home to to Moscow and Saint Petersburg, where it's been. You know, they've kind of blithely been. Oh, look at that! What a cute little war happening down there. Well, it's certainly true that um, the uh, you know the the that Russia tried to do the Ukraine invasion on the cheap. Uh, and nasty, they threw, you know, they sort of threw a dart at the dartboard and they hoped it would stick. And, uh, and you know, it didn't go as easily as they had hoped. Um, you know, it's not like the United States is unfamiliar with this kind of scenario. That's sort of what we did in Afghanistan and Iraq. And then we had massive successes, I might add. <laughs> True. <laughs> and various presidents, uh, you know, of both parties had to conduct uh, what we called surges of troops uh, in order to try to uh, to to bring matters to a, a favorable conclusion in those it, conflicts, which obviously again, resounding success. So 
I think Russia is basically this is a troop surge, right? I mean, they're they're like we need we we did this. Uh, obviously, we could use more people. We have more people to send. Let's send more people. Obviously, it's expensive in terms of money and lives. So that's the risk. I, I think the bigger story here is the plebiscites. Um, I think the uh, first of See, all, I these. Okay, I'm going to disagree. We can put a right. bookmark there. All right, put a bookmark there. I think the territories of Luhansk and Donetsk will certainly vote to join Russia. And, uh, it, you know, uh, Secretary of State Blinken's comments aside, uh, he's wrong. I think these will be fair elections because- How can they, you say that? How can you have a fair be. election in occupied territory, Ted? Well, first of all, it's these are these territories have been, have enjoyed- de facto independence since 2014. They, they broke away. They have not been under central Ukrainian government control for eight years. So these are pro-Russian territories. And the people who live there are Russian. <clears throat> it's only an accident of, of Stalin's border drawing um, that makes put them on the side of the border with Ukraine. They want to be Russian. They're Russian people. Uh, this, is a, this is very much analogous to how Kurdistan in, enjoys de facto independence in northern Iraq. Uh, you know, these are, you know, the Kurds would vote to be an independent Kurdish state. Uh, the Donetskis and the Luhanskis will absolutely vote. And, you know, even if the U.S. supervised this election, they would vote overwhelmingly to join Russia. There's no question about it. Just in the same way that uh, the election in Crimea which was held under Russian occupation, was considered by international observers to be a fairly drawn election. And uh, the, it was overwhelmingly in favor of, join, of rejoining Russia, which it had been part of until 1953. So um, there's, I, I don't think there's any question that like those people want to be part of Russia. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't have picked up their half a million passports over the years to be part of Russia. Um, the, I mean, this. I'm not saying this about the rest of Ukraine, but I'm saying it about Eastern Ukraine. The Donbass is, is Russia, so they would they will vote to join. Um, and then at that point, the Ukrainians are really in a pickle because uh, every time they fire a shell over the border into what used to be their territory, uh, they're going to be shooting. Uh, they're going to be firing a shell into Russia proper, and Russia is. You know, basically, like we are big angry bear, and we will come at you with everything we have, which certainly has not been the case up until now. So, uh, you know that this is a, a dramatic escalation. Russian state media uh, on Sputnik and uh, Russia Today RT are all saying that it's an escalation. So, you know, the Russians themselves are saying this is an escalation. Well, I, I, yeah, but here's the, here's the thing. I mean, with Putin's call, and this is why I think the Putin call ups more than the plebiscite, because I think the international community is going to view the plebiscite very much like I view it, which is like how you can't have a fair election in an occupied territory. It's absurd on the face of it. So I'm not sure that that the international community will view this as legitimate, but oh, going they to- They absolutely won't, except for Russia's allies. Who are- China. Iran. Iran, North Korea. Djibouti. Uh, there, will be, there will be some, uh, probably some of the Central Asian republics. Okay. Belarus. Uh, uh, Turkey is certainly kind of like Turkey. Uh, may, I think Turkey will sit on the sidelines. Uh, but 
the, the, going back to my bookmark, I think Putin's call up is, is really significant. I'll tell you why, because we had Charles Lipson on the show last week, those of you who listen to this podcast on a regular basis. And he made an interesting point that they aren't pulling troops from Moscow. They're not taking troops from St. Petersburg, the, you know, the major cities in Moscow. They're taking them from the wet, from the eastern part, the rural parts, not unlike America, as, as Ted has pointed out before at other uh, venues. Uh, but now what happens to the first of all, Putin's calling up the reserves. So they're going to start going, you're going to start having body, you know, cough, you know, flag draped coffins coming back to Moscow and St. Petersburg. Uh, what does that do to the, I mean, obviously state media may not cover this, but what, what, what would that do to the psyche of the, of the Russian people on this war? And here's my point, if I could very briefly during the, um, Bosnia Herzegovina, when uh, Serbia was being, you know, Serbians, um, they didn't care. The people of Serbia did not give two, two, two cents about what was going on there until NATO bombed Zagreb, and then they went, "Oh shit, we're in a war, and they're shooting at us." Uh, and, and it made a big impact, and, and, and it ended the war uh, effectively. I mean, is this going to have the same kind of psychological effect on the Russian people? Bear in mind, the Russian people during World War II have shown a proclivity to take great amounts of, of abuse, abuse. And, and stand yeah. up to it and, and and persevere. So you tell me you were there recently. Uh, and frankly, you know more than I do about this. Uh, so I think there's yeah, I think there's the I think there's the general uh, aspect of how any uh, modern society responds to an increase of. Uh, bodies coming back from the front and then there's the particularities of, of Russia and the Russian people um, I you know generically there are certainly ways for the Russian government to control the narrative and to certainly uh, tamp down the psychological effect of increased casualties re returning from the conflict in Ukraine I mean obviously uh, just like the American media does, uh, they will spin things and say, you know, look, this is a, it's for a good cause. It's also not going to be much longer. Just hang on a little longer. We'll get the job done and we'll be done. Um, you know, we will meet again. Uh, there's that. Um, there's also the fact that, you know, that the flag draped co coffins are not going to be a very public site. And just like they are not here in the United States, they come back to Edwards Air Force Base uh, it's a private ceremony. Those images are no longer released. The American people don't get to see them. And that was tightly controlled under Bush and Obama and Trump uh, in the Af in the Afghan and Iraq conflicts. So, um, you know, I think that's not so hard. Um, I think in particular here, there has really been no, uh, you know, negative ramifications that have affected the Russian people to a significant extent at all as a result of the special military operation against Ukraine. Um, there has been, uh, nothing has happened. So if that changes, uh, then a clock starts to tick. And if, you know, it, it, it's like, certainly political will, um, you know, is what keeps a foreign war going. Um, and when that political will is no longer present, as we saw with last year, when we withdrew from Afghanistan, war is over. Now. Ukraine's a bit of a different matter because unlike the U.S. invading, you know, a country that is nine or 12 time zones away in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, Ukraine is right on Russia's border. Um, so the analogy for Americans to think of is, OK, so Canada has threatened to join a pro 
Russia military alliance. Um, we have invaded there. We've been told that if we don't, uh, you know, if we don't secure that border, that you know, that, that Canadian thugs are going to come in and uh, and destroy us. So, you know, I mean, what do we politely? What yes, exactly with their hockey sticks? Um, you know, what are we going to? You know, I think the American people would probably view a war in Canada with a lot more support. It's it would be viewed as less optional. It would be viewed as something that's like truly about defending the U- the U.S. more than a war in like Vietnam. So I think I think the Russians. I think that that Putin can count on Russian support, uh, popular support, but it will start to diminish. Right now, support for the war is around 80 to 85 percent in Russia and support for Putin is very high as well. I mean, if this grinds on for a year or two, those numbers aren't going to be there. The question is, where will they be? Will they be 20 percent? Probably not, but they'll be lower than they are now. Let me ask you this, too, as the plebiscite I mean, this is three-dimensional chess here, uh, 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 which I think Putin can play, in which Americans, not, you know, we play checkers um, with a hammer, usually. Um, <laughs> uh, but by, okay, so by having the plebiscite, he's got um, Ukrainian forces now uh, having successes and uh, moving closer to the Russian border. Is this a way for Putin to bring the war to Russia? That is to say, uh, the, the the Ukrainians have been very cautious, it seems to me, to to not cross the border. They haven't lobbed. There've been like what a handful of instances where they there's have, been, and then and then they pull back. Been, there's been some incidents, yeah, but they pull back right away, and because what they don't want it, yeah, what they don't want to do is invade Russia because that never ends well for anybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> As we know, right? Um, but Putin wants. To ha- be able to say they're invading Russia, they're invading the well, motherland. I, I think he doesn't want. He doesn't want them. You don't think? I think Why? he doesn't. I think he's saying don't do it because you'll know what. If this is about a, Putin's drawing a line in the sand, it's like quit fucking around with the Donbas. Quit like remember. Don't forget this. Americans are completely have not paid attention to this, but for eight years, um, the Donbas, the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics. Uh, you know, autonomous zones within within Ukraine have been bombed repeatedly uh, by the Ukrainian army. Now, that has, has killed at least 35,000 uh, civilians that who were uh, who Russia regards as their kindred people on the other side of the border. So, um, you know, this is this is basically for Russia. This is not like something that began in March for Russia. This is something that began eight years ago with the coup uh, against uh, Yanukovych and the um, and then the, the subsequent war against the Donbass. This is Putin's way of saying, look, uh, we're not going to overthrow the government in Kiev. That's no longer on the table. We're not going to denazify Ukraine. What we're going to do now, our, our war aims are to secure the Donbass and Crimea and make sure those are integral parts of Russia. And then we're going to leave. Um, that's that's the you know though they won't leave the Donbas because those will be parts of Russia, um, and even though the international community will not recognize uh, this transfer of territory, it will be a fact. It already is a fact on the ground. Um, this is just about redrawing the border and like and just saying, look, this is a hard and fast border. Don't cross and fuck off and leave us alone. 
So you don't think Putin would use this as an excuse to say, OK, they, there's a plebiscite, it, regardless of its legitimacy, they voted to become Russia. Yay. And now you and you're you're in our territory. And now we can use, as he said, any means necessary, which could be nuclear. Could it be a way for him to excuse. say? I don't think it's an excuse, Scott. I think I mean, I think he does not. Look, Russia has been careful not to escalate. Uh, beyond a certain point. That's why there was a limited force sent in in the first place. That's why there has been, contrary to a lot of Western reports, a, you know, some there has been uh, some care undertaken not to, you know, just flatten Ukraine. I mean, this is- uh, I think I disagree. I th- uh, you you mentioned on the top of this podcast that they went in on the cheap. They they were obviously aiming for Kiev. They were obviously looking Initially, to just- that's right. Yeah. They were trying yeah, to- um, so I'm, my point is, is this could this be taken as a way for Putin to save face, as it were, and to, to finish what he started at the beginning of the invasion? And I would also say that an invasion is an escalation, Ted. I don't think you can say that that's a cautious, <laughs> that an invasion is cautious. It'd be like, fair, yeah, fair we, point. An invasion. We cautiously invaded Afghanistan. You know, we, we, well, you can, but you know, it's like, look, there are, in, there are invasions and there are invasions. I mean, look, the U.S. could have absolutely prevailed in. Afghanistan, Iraq, and Vietnam, if it had been willing to give everything it had, its entire, you know, if we were willing to use nuclear weapons, we would have won. Okay, we we did, you know, I mean, the right wingers like Westmoreland, who complained that we fought these wars with our hands tied behind our backs, are not entirely wrong. We don't, we, it wasn't total war. I mean, it wasn't total war the way World War II was. World War II, all parties involved gave it everything they had. You know, that's just not true in this case. And, and, you know, I think Ukraine is giving it everything they have. Um, I don't think, I don't think Russia is. Curtis LeMay, I was just, (laughs) the vice presidential nominee in 1968 with George Wallace. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, The state's rights party. Oh yeah. Anyway. um, Well, I mean, okay. Is this, I mean, on the, uh, on the scaredometer of one to ten, how, as an American, how scared should we be about about this recent development? Does this? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm at about a seven or an eight. Um, wow, uh, this is this is definitely um, look. What could go wrong? What's going to happen now? I think. Look, the plebiscites are going to happen. Um, they're going to go Russia's way. Um, the you know there will be um, a hue and cry, but that that'll be the the fact. Then at that point. What then Ukraine and its, you know, American uh, puppet master has to kind of decide is like, okay, do we do we de facto accept this state of affairs and stop attacking what is now effectively part of Russia, but we consider still part of Ukraine? And if we do, what will the Russians do? Um, You know, that's a, you know, I mean, one would hope that calm, calm, you know, calm uh, hearts would prevail. Uh, Look, if it's up to, I mean, I I will say if it's up to the Biden administration, I think um, sanity will prevail. Uh, If it's up to Zelensky, insanity will prevail. Well, how so? What do you mean? Well, I think I think Biden's, uh, you know, is is skeptical. Uh, He doesn't want to give Zelensky too many weapons and he doesn't want Zelensky to uh, you know, expand the war into Russian territory. He doesn't want this to escalate um, more than it already has. But Zelensky, you know, I mean, he's an actor. He's dramatic and he's a bit of a charlatan. He's, I mean, we all know what happens when, you know, TV actors become presidents. 
Um, all hey, three. hey, hey, good <laughs> things. And so ex- America was, it was morning in America again. <laughs> it's morning is morning in Ukraine. Don't forget it happened, you know, in 2016 again. So, you know, when oh, I, right. oh, well, that's not so good. So that, yeah, I was thinking more <laughs> about that. So, oh, okay. so yeah, I'm just saying that like, yeah, Zelensky is kind of crazy. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't really trust him. I don't think he's like, uh, I don't think he's a measured uh, personality. I, I think he's, you know, um, you know, he, he certainly has his uh, things to recommend him, but, you know, he's not the man I would want to try to ratchet down tensions. Um, so, you know, basically the U.S. is holding, you know, he's not, Zonsky can't do anything without U.S. approval. So he looks good in a T-shirt. Yeah, he does. He does. He's buff. <laughs> uh, let me. OK, one more question. We've got to d- dump out of this, but this is fascinating uh, and we disagree. And by the way, if anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Please notice that Ted and I have not raised our voices or dis or yelled at each other. You asshole! <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, but what the last question here, and this is, I think, this is salient. Even you know, with uh, with global climate change, obviously, we're not going to hit winter until say February. But in, when 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 we do, two issues: East Coast is now, especially in the uh, Northeast, they're uh, having a looks like they're going to have a significant shortage of heating oil. Uh, but more importantly, Europe. It's going to be very bereft of, of heating oil in the yeah. winter. That's right. That's going to have to, that's going to significantly impact how they view the war and, and, and the West's reaction to it. It has to. I mean, you're going to be, yeah. free, they're, going to, they're people freezing and dying. I mean, and I, I, I'm not prone to hyperbole that way, but that's what's going to happen. No, that is what's going to happen. Look, that's what happens in the U.S. when there's a, a heat wave in Chicago and there's a lot of so many people who don't have air conditioning, they die uh, when there's a cold snap in, in uh, you know, Upper Peninsula of Michigan. People don't have enough heating oil. They die. Um, the I think it's going to have uh, it's going to have an even bigger political impact in Europe than than the same exact thing happening to the U.S. would have. And it would have a tremendous impact in the U.S., um, because, and the reason is because Europeans are really used to, uh, you know, they expect a strong social safety net, uh, much more than Americans do. Americans are, you know, we have that pioneer spirit. We're self, we're individualist, self-reliant. We, you know, we don't, we think if we get cancer, that's like on us. And, and, and you know, the government doesn't owe us anything, uh, you know, but like, whereas in, 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 I mean, in 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 Europe, they're like, look, we expect free medical care, free college. Uh, you know, we expect our, our our trains to be cheap and run well, and 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 to have them high speed rail. You know, I mean, we don't expect as much as they do, and when they start to you know run short of the basic necessity, and it can be really fucking cold in like northern Germany. Or, oh, in, yeah. uh, in the, or in like the French Alps or in the, the Massif Central, which is even though it's, you know, fairly south, it's uh, high elevation. So it snows a lot in France. Let's go up to Scandinavia. I mean, holy Mary. Fucking Poland. I mean, yeah, it's going to be cold. So, I mean, you know, it can be. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it, I think this, I, I think a lot of people are going to be like, Zelensky who? Like, <laughs> wait, why? Um, you know, they, they could have pivoted away from Russian dependence on Russian energy over the course of you know maybe five years, but to try to do this within the course of six months was was madness. It's it was doomed to failure, obviously. Um, and I, you know it'll be really interesting to see what they do. I mean, the French have tried to bring 
a lot of their uh, disabled nuclear power plants back online to try to address uh, the coming shortfall, but they haven't been able to because they were mothballed. Many of them were mothballed for so long that they're sort of just not in good enough shape uh, to be relicensed mm. and th- to be authorized to start up again. And I imagine other European countries have similar problems. Wow. Well, okay. I guess we're at least stuff to draw about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of like thinking like hmm, living in New York these days might not be so good. I'm thinking Upper <laughs> Peninsula of Michigan. At least there you can. You know what I mean here. Or, or go to Idaho and start your own country, write your own constitution, make your own flag. That's what, well, the, that I know the flag part speaks to you, Scott. It certainly does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rest of it, not so I, much. I want, I want one of those flags with an AK-47 on it. I just think those are awesome. Oh, my God. I, there's a long story about uh, Mozambique. The, the, no, the, cons, the conservative uh, think tank here wanted to come up with a license plate, which you can do here. I mean, you can do it in any, I think many states yeah. and they wanted to do the come and take it flag. You know, it has the original one has a, had a cannon on it I don't, and, the, and the one in the, in the flag you alluded to, they replaced the cannon with an AK 47 <laughs> and know, they said, let's do that. And I'm going, you know, you know, I remember as a kid, just parenthetically, and this is something I've always wanted to talk to someone about. Uh, and I made it to 59 <laughs> years old and have not. So, so, Tell me that riddle me this. Like as a kid, I was told, um, you know, if you see something bad happen, like let's say a kidnapping, and you see, and you know, you see the person drive off in the car, like the bad man, um, you should note their 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 license plate number, but you should also note the color of the plates, right? Like in 1973, when I was 10 years old, the Ohio plates were like white on green. And so you'd be so, like you know, if it's not a state plate, it would be a different color, right? Um, sure. You know, like uh, the old black, black, gold on black California plates, for example, at that time, or New York currently is like dark blue on orange. Um, well, with all these like you know uh, group plates, like uh, you know, save the panda with a picture of a panda on it, or like uh, you know come and take my gun away <laughs> bastards fuckers um you know or like you know god love christ or whatever oh like, don't tread on me Big, very popular like, here. there are states that probably have 15 or 20 different colored plates doesn't that make it harder to you know catch you know bad people doing bad things yes okay <laughs> <laughs> yes it does all right the dmc america podcast has settled this issue um you know, i don't think it's a good idea uh, from a public safety point of view but it makes money for these different different groups you have to um, I, 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 that's how it works down here and what's interesting is if you see a don't tread on me uh license plate from alabama by the way that money which was c- kind of disguised but that money goes to say it with me kids roy moore i'm not kidding Oh, wait, Roy Moore is the uh, reflect, re, 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 refresh our memory about uh, what an upstanding human being he was. Well, he was the guy who made national headlines initially by by installing in the lobby of the Supreme Court building of the state, great state of Alabama, the Ten Commandments and was told you can't do that. And he said, well, and went to court, uh, told the courts continuously, of course, said you can't do that. He said, fuck you, to the point where he was actually removed from office. 
the people of Alabama being, you know, the people of Alabama reelected him to the same place post uh, where he was removed from office again. (laughs) (laughs) So, and he ran for Senate where he uh, was discovered that and was reported by the Washington post. I believe that he was, he, he would go to uh, the mall, a 35 year old lawyer going and looking for young teenage girls. So he was not following all of the Ten Commandments that he had posted. No, but it was most of them. <laughs> you know, if you get if you get six out of ten, good enough. It was Ted. It was no so funny. Raven, I, talk. No Raven Idols. And we'll leave. We're, we got to dump out of this segment. But yeah. I'll leave you. I'll leave you with this. There was talk on conservative talk radio. I swear to God, there was at least more than one or two guys who called us. Who amongst us hasn't done that? <laughs> it's like, oh, yo, well. Uh, yeah, me. <laughs> uh, Roy, yeah. Roy, Roy Moore sounds like a criminal. It's like it's like it's not even his fault. It's like when his parents named him, like we're gonna name we're, like Mister and Mrs. Moore. What is what are you naming your son? We name him Roy because we want him to grow up to be a turd. You know? Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like and he it, is. It like you know, it's like because like Michael Moore doesn't sound like a turd. You know, it's like Roy Moore does. Yes, it does sound. It sounds like you know civil rights leaders was assassinated in 1969 by Roy Moore. You know, just you go, yeah. Okay. I would, I would use that the nomenclature defense, you know, if I were him, not my fault, my parents named me this way. It was destiny. Oh, he's, he's well, yeah. All right. So when we come back, are we doing the midterms or are we doing immigration? Uh, Let's talk immigration and busing and and busing immigrants and stuff. Cause all right. And and people seem to be talking about that and flying immigrate. All right. So uh, we're talking, we're going to be talking about, Flying migrants in on a jet plane. (laughs) Don't know when. Stay tuned. Oh, baby. And for part two of today's DMZ America podcast for Wednesday, September 21st, 2022, we are going to talk about flying migrants and bust migrants coming to you from the left. I am Ted Rawl. And coming to you from the right, I'm Scott Stances. And so, yeah, apparently Republican governors like to here initially. OK, just to tee this up, um, you know, we all have heard now because it's been all over the news uh, um, immigrants along the border uh, by in Texas, particularly were put on buses and sent to sanctuary cities, Chicago, New York. Um, in Washington, D.C. Right? In Washington, D.C. And then uh, by Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. Now, Ron DeSantis of Florida, not to be out assholed, uh, <laughs> st- stuck, stuck immigrants on planes and flew them to uh, Martha's Vineyard, which is, the again, proclaimed itself a sanctuary city. Before these stunts, and they are stunts. Right, because it's, but, it's a collection of towns really oh i thought it was i thought it was, okay whatever sanctuary county whatever that whatever it is um prior to these stunts the buses that uh, greg abbott sent up you could have make a legitimate case for these were uh immigrants who were uh, f- long uh were pretty far along on the uh on the asylum track um they had they had family friends and acquaintances in these cities they were actually very very supportive of going on the buses and being free transportation to, to these family and friends. And many of them did have people waiting for them in these cities. Exactly. And it really wasn't a huge number, but it was, it was symbolic and it made sense. But uh, now, like I said, the assholery, the Republicans un, unable to, uh, to, to not, not, not participate in that um, decide to up the, uh, up the game. Now, 
the border towns that are that are struggling. I've lived in California. I lived in Arizona. Um, you live in Southern to... California, right? You live yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in San Diego. Actually. Right on the border. And, yeah. And back then there was, or, I mean, immigration has, this issue has been, Ted, here's how long this has been. I mean, first of all, it's in the movie Giant, if you remember with Rock Hudson. Um, the immigration is an issue. Border, I don't remember border that. Issues. I have to watch it again. Yeah, he has his daughter-in-law. I was a kid. Or the, his daughter-in-law or the mother of his grandchild is Mexican. Mm. Uh, she And so the second cartoon I ever drew, uh, ever in my life as a young man, and good God save me, it's so long ago, Jimmy Carter is in the cartoon. It's on, say it with me, kids, immigration. <laughs> That's how long this has been going on and how long it's been ignored and looked at with a wink and a nod and to not have a serious immigration policy. And that, and we're paying the price for it now um, as Venezuela and Nicaragua, El Salvador, all those countries now devolve into dictatorships once again, and people are leaving in droves. Uh, they're looking for Many, sanctuary. In most cases, I have to, as the resident lefty point out, countries that were destabilized by U.S. foreign policy. And had, but they did have stabilized and, and democratic institutions put in place, and they were seemed to be working to some degree or another. And then the Sandinistas come back, and, well, and then you have, or, or, or until like Obama overthrew the democratically elected president of Honduras, which precipitated the first major wave of, uh, you know, in the last five years of uh, my, you know, uh, asyl asylum seekers. And then now Venezuela also uh, was destabilized massively uh, by uh, by the last three administrations. I mean, Hugo Chavez was was forcibly removed by Bush for three days and then returned. And I mean, it's it, I mean, they just can't fucking leave Maduro alone down there. Um, yeah, well, and Maduro's no Chavez, so he's uh, just doing the strongman thing. Um, but my point is now. We don't have, and we never have had a legitimate border policy because we've needed the labor, you know, um, you know, well, what I we love the, talk about what the policy is currently, right? I mean, the policy, we don't talk about that, but <laughs> the ahead. policy is that effectively we have a half-ass guarded border. I mean, the border is somewhat guarded. I mean, there are, there is some wall, there's some natural border and there's a border patrol and they do, and there's drones. And they do try to uh, keep people out, but there's no actual strong. It's not like in most countries where there's a border wall or a fence with like mines and like uh, watchtowers all along the border, which I've seen all around the world. I mean, China has stuff like that with its border uh, with the Central Asian republics. Um, and uh, and basically uh, it is a porous border. It is it's not as porous as say Pakistan and Afghanistan, where you can kind of just walk across the border in many places, but you can, and you can sneak across the border. And if you're fast, you can get there. And the US doesn't do a very good job and doesn't seem to care about doing a very good job about guarding its border. And I, I, my, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, uh, believe that both parties are, political parties are complicit in this. Uh, Republicans are the party of big, business and big business likes the cheap labor uh, that uh, immigrants bring to the United States and how sure. they depress wages. Sure. And Democrats like the fact that second generation immigrants tend to be Democratic voters. Um, so yeah. so yeah. they kind of sort of don't give a shit and they both look away. 
yeah, it's been a wink and a nod immigration policy for decades. And it just, you know, you can't be a sovereign nation without a sovereign border, with a secure border. And we don't have that. Um, and, and it's become a, how did this become a right wing policy, you know, idea? I mean, I how think did Democrats decide. I mean, I know otherwise thoughtful, well-educated NPR listening, PBS watching, <laughs> Ken Burns loving people who say like, well, you know, these, these people need help. So, and I'm like, yeah, but it's a border. I mean, I, I'm in favor of a liberal immigration policy, but it's an international border. When, you know, would you think that you could go to say Canada without, you know, talking to the border patrol people and, and showing them your passport? Would you, you thought you could just sneak across in Minnesota? Like what? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And when you, when you say that they, what's their response? Uh, it's literally uh, just big, dumb, uh, blinking eyes, like total, you know, nothing happens. Like, I mean, yeah, see, change the subject, like, Ooh, look, the sky is blue. I love blue. It's my favorite blue. <laughs> like you. I agree. I agree. I think a small L liberal immigration policy coupled with a secure border. I mean, they, they're not incongruent. They, they, they actually, you can have both. You can have. Absolutely. Well, we did at Ellis Island. Right. I mean, it was a very liberal immigration policy. As long as you weren't, you didn't arrive, uh, you know, clearly mentally ill and, and like covered with like crayfish or something. You, <laughs> you were allowed in, you know, they were like, good enough. All right. Down yeah. to, the, to the Lower East Side with you and uh, with a simpler to pronounce name. Bye. Well, what's and what's interesting is we didn't even have people say, well, we had quotas back then, at least. I said, no, we did not. You know, when we started having quotas, when uh, Mediterranean types started showing up, Italians, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, what, what did they have? Oh, yeah. Dark skin. Um, I think there is a definitely a racial uh, component no to the right. The, uh, Asian, the Chinese uh, Exclusion Act. Right? Yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah there, and, it, well, and there's still a racial component to it. I mean, look. We, uh, you know, race is still front and center in our foreign policy. Uh, you know, who doubts that we care about the territorial integrity of Ukraine a lot more because, you know, they're blonde and blue eyed. Oh, no question. Absolutely. I mean, no question. And the same is holds true for, you know, the brown people coming who don't speak our language and they're out to get my job. Well, they're really not unless your job is, you know, picking up trash in the park, which it's and not my job. And you won't nope. do. <laughs> yeah <laughs> what you so you know and i do i do believe that and the only way you grow an economy by the way i'm now I'm now my my capital inner capitalist is going to come to the fore and that's you have you need to grow populations one way the fact the of the matter is white folk aren't making babies like they used to True. Uh, and so how do you grow how do you grow the economy via population you, immigration you get more people into the country and we have so stuff. much fucking room i mean and you just just get on a plane, look out the fucking yes. fly from New York to L.A. Just look. I mean, look, I, I think one really interesting fact is compare us to China. Right. Um, the U.S. is about the same mile square mileage as uh, as China. If you if you consider the lower 48 states attached to Hawaii and Alaska. Right. Alaska. So all together. Um, so we are about the same size. Um China has 1.2 billion people. We have 300 and uh, I think 28 million people. So we have a, about we're about a quarter of the size of China. Um, they have four times more than we do. And and check this out: they all live 
in one fourth of the country, in the eastern fourth. Nobody lives in the western three quarters of China. It's all desert. It's all been it's sand blasted desert. Um, there, you can't grow anything there. It's dunes. So basically, you have four times the population living in one quarter of the area. So they have a population density of like 16 times ish back of the envelope higher than we do. You could, the U.S. is, you can, pretty, except for the Rockies, live just about anywhere. Um, and it's, you know, you can live in the Plain States, no problem. Not that would, one would want to, but <laughs> good. Um, and If you like a lot of flat. We have that's... room. We have room. So yeah. it's like, you know, it's when people say we don't have room, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, so getting to the, I mean, this has now become an issue. I mean, clearly become an issue in the midterms. Uh, how does this, I mean, is, is it a powerful issue? I mean, your friends, I mean, you live in a, in a, in a blue state. So, and you have blue, you know, very blue friends. Is this on an the issue upper for West them at all? I mean, it's like the bluest of the blue of the blue. Is this an issue at all? I mean, um, at all? You know, this is like for for lib for NPR listening, New York Times reading liberals, uh, immigration is is not an issue except that uh, they think that the Southern uh, Republican governors are mean, and they and in their minds, these population movements are uh, you know reminiscent of forced deportations of, of Jews during World War II. Uh, they literally, uh, th their media outlets tell them that it's the same thing. Uh, they see it as being similar. Um, they kind of view it as gross that the, uh, you know, that, that, that these people are, that they arrive without any notice. I think, you know, I think that's one interesting thing. Like if, the, if Abbott and DeSantis were simply to drop a dime on like May New York Mayor Eric Adams or... Uh, the governor of Massachusetts, and just to say, like, who I think is a Republican, right? But just sort of say, hey, uh, you know, we have, um, you know, we have some, uh, you know, we have some people on the way. Uh, you might want to send some uh, authorities out there to help them up. They're going to arrive tomorrow at, at five in the morning. That would probably, uh, you know, insulate them from a lot of the criticism. But I think they want the criticism. And, you know, like Fox News has been mocking uh, liberal media for comparing uh, Martha's Vineyard to, you know, Nazi Germany. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and they're having a field day. I mean, I, I think watching both CNN and, and MSNBC and Fox, um, I think the right is win winning this particular propaganda war. This really, it's a big issue for the right. It's not much of an issue for the left. I, I don't think they care as much. I know, I know this sounds like a weird thing to bring up. But are I mean, the, you talked about the, the Republican governors are mean. I mean, there just seems to be a level of cruelty about, you know, initially, like I said, this wasn't a cruel thing to do. The people who were involved, the, the, the immigrants who were, who were put on the buses initially to go to Chicago, D.C., New York, uh, they wanted to go there and they were grateful for the opportunity. But now, you know, Abbott dropping, you know, trying to one up DeSantis by dropping the immigrants in front of uh, Vice President Harris's home in washington well that's a pretty clever stunt because I mean, the thing is with the buses that came to new york new, you know i i kept saying this like you know what did eric adams ever do to to, to uh you know to get to, to greg abbott right i mean it's it's kind of like his beef aside from the fact that adams is nominally a democrat and biden is nominally a democrat 
Um, what do they have in common? Nothing. Um, you know, it's not like Adams has been like, you know, he, he didn't get elected based on immigration policy. He got him elected as a, you know, tough on crime, former cop. Right. So that's a, you know, it was just, it was, it was weird optics. I think the dump off in front of the vice president's um, residence in DC. Now that's smart. It's like, we're sending your problem. You know, DC has abdicated their responsibility to help us out on the border. So we're sending our problem to DC. That's that well, and and let's not forget that uh, Vice President Harris is in charge of border policy, right? No, it was and very she would, appropriate. In a recent interview, she said that the that the borders were being secured, and you're just going, "What are you talking about?" No, she said they had been secured. She yeah, that's what I said. Secured. Had yeah. in the affirmative. Yes, no, yeah. it's incredible, and you're just going, "What?" By <laughs> how are you measuring this? And by the way, for our curious listeners, yeah, Charlie Baker is the governor of Massachusetts, and he is indeed a Republican. And and Adams, as Ted was saying, that is the mayor of New York City. Yeah, and Eric play. Adams is a Democrat, but he's a you know conservative Democrat, really, um, a, 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 a worthless Democrat. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is the the mean the mean label, which seems you know a lot of. Trumpies and people on the right think that, you know, you're, you're, get, get over it, snowflake. I think it matters in the long run that, you know, and, and, and it disturbs me. And maybe that's my inner, you know, wuss, but it's like, <laughs> it disturbs me. Your outer you're wuss. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Now, uh, it disturbs me using people as human beings as pawns, but disturbs me greatly. Well, the lying, and, really, I think the lying is tough. It's very clear that the the Martha's Vineyard um, migrants were lied to. They were told that, yeah. that they were being sent to Boston, which is, you know, look at a map, is not Martha's Vineyard, not even really very close, except for being in the same state. And, uh, you know, you have to take a ferry from Martha's Vineyard to get to southern Cape Cod. Um, and it's, you know, and then also they were told that they were, they, they were expected and that they were going to receive assistance. None of these things were true or were going to be true. So that's pretty gross. Yeah. And that, and that's, and that's, I mean, that, that is, I mean, it is kidnapping, right? I mean, isn't it? I well, mean, they're looking, they're looking at it. There's a number of people, Democrat and Republican uh, DAs who are looking at this going, Oh boy, wait a minute. You know, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not like the time that I flew a plane that like uh, was on its way to Cincinnati and then decided to go to Dayton instead because a tornado had wiped out the Cincinnati airport. Hey, Ted, do you have a fan going on or something? There's something, there's a weird oh, noise. You know what that is? Yeah, that is, that is the pointing people outside my, Oh my, my God. My, okay. It's insane. Um, yeah, it, is it bad? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I can so, hear it. It's oh my like, God. Well, yes. So that apparently is the only economic activity in New York City. The repointing <laughs> of my uh, building. Of Ted's building. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you're welcome, America. And, <laughs> A grateful nation salutes the hero <laughs> of 9-11, Ted Rawl. That's right. So yeah, is, if it's, I don't know, is it listenable? Is it unlistenable? It's listenable. I just want to give the listeners a heads up that that's what you're hearing. Cause I'm yeah, kind of like, it's, cause- yeah, it's, it's sort of like, imagine a 500 pound metallic woodpecker. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, I see after this podcast, I see myself picking up and, uh, you know, relocating to the Columbia university library to, uh, continue my work day well let's we should probably bail out of this segment then and go to the third and final and get you out of the way from that okay all right that sounds good scott all right stay tuned we'll be right back and we'll uh, be talking about midterm elections and maybe some other stuff okay bye (laughs) 
Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, this is the DMZ America podcast, and this is our third and final, but hopefully not for the rest of our lives, segment. Uh, coming to you from the left, I am political cartoonist and columnist Ted Rawl. And I'm Scott Stantis, not having my building pointed. Is that what they're doing? Yes. So uh, for people who are not familiar with this process, pointing is, uh, you know, the, there's there's that uh, that gunk between, what is that called? Uh, the border between uh, the bricks. And it, Mo- it grout or no, no, uh, mortar like, grouts between tiles, right? Mortar. So yeah, it's mortar between the, uh, one does the, not simply walk into mortar. No, so apparently uh, one of the stupider things about construction is that mortar basically wears away and washes away with the rain and the, and the snow. So periodically uh, depending on where you live I, I, in San Diego, you probably never have to do this, but in New York, uh, you have to every 20 or 30 years, you have to go and drill out all the places where the holes have appeared and then and repatch them in. Because if you don't, the water starts to seep through between the bricks and go into the walls and then bad things happen. So uh, they're, they're currently uh, repointing my, uh, my that's called pointing and they're they're doing that. Uh, outside my apartment and it's only been two months and uh, I think I've only lost maybe 30 IQ points. So I'm down to about <laughs> 10. <laughs> I won't remember how to tie my shoes. I won't so even, we apologize. The good news is I can no longer be executed in Texas. So. <laughs> well, no, yeah, you still can. <laughs> well, thank you, Governor Abbott. Um, so, um, so we apologize to our listeners. For way, I have to ask a really indelicate question here. Um, Governor Abbott is, uh, he's to say he's disabled, right? And he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Do we, do we know parenthetically, do we know how or why? I thought it was a car accident. Okay. Um, so, uh, but he's been talked about as a contender, uh, possible presidential contender for 2024. I'm wondering, would Republican voters, you know, I mean, support, uh, someone who is in a wheelchair, uh, you know, FDR, was a, used a wheelchair part of the time, but it was largely concealed. Um, JFK was, uh, you know, pained by his uh, PT-109 injury and uh, also, you know, put on a, a brave face um, of being vigorous and, uh, you know, tried to work out, yeah. all those, work out his work, work on his muscles with uh, Marilyn Monroe. Um, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, do you think, I mean, you know, all voters, but I think especially Republican voters seem to really gravitate towards an image of, you know, physical vigor. Um, you know, do you think that would that would do you think that would hold him back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, I mean, you look at George Wallace when he came back after the assassination attempt in 72. Uh, he was in the wheelchair and did not perform in the primaries nearly as well as he had prior to that. That may just be because he was, you know, George fucking Wallace. But it was. uh but he was, if you recall, and, people, and Democrats particularly hate when you point this out, 68 and 72, he did extremely well. And particularly in 72, he just won the Florida primary. Yeah. You know, he was going, it was like, they're going, oh, oh, row, row. And by the way, just a quick sidebar, uh, Governor Greg Abbott uh, had a freak accident when he was 26. He was jogging of all things in 1984 and a tree fell in a storm and a tree fell on him. What? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, Which tells you that tells you possibly, don't I jog. Believe, I would not believe in God at all if that shit happened to me. Or <laughs> or I'd say like God's a prick. I'm like on team devil. Like we actually have a cartooning friend uh 
we're calling Bruce because that's his name. Uh, but Bruce has had not one, not two, but three houses struck by lightning and bur- two of them burned down. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, <laughs> that's like, that's like the omen, man. That's like, yeah, it's like. What? I'm just thinking, but is God that lousy of a target? I mean, uh, of a shot? I mean, <laughs> three <laughs> shot, three times. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe God's not shooting at Bruce. God's shooting at his house. Yeah. Just, I mean, is it, was it an ugly fucking house? And God's no, it was a, they, the, the two I saw were quite nice. Uh, and then, of course, with the insurance, you could make them nicer each time. Actually, oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen of America, if you ever have uh, don't ever have your house destroyed because it is a friggin nightmare to get it fixed. The insurance companies which will shock you, given how what a glorious job they've done with health insurance <laughs> um, are just a nightmare to work with when you're trying to rebuild your house. A nightmare. I, I yeah I can I can imagine that I mean although you kind of, aren't you kind of better off with like complete total destruction than partial destruction like you're they, better off like with a tornado just wiping it off the face of the earth and just leaving a foundation than you are like a fire that guts half of it or something. Uh, well, I can tell you I've have, and I know you have too. I've had friends and family. Bruce is among them who have they literally now are asking Bruce, we need a better accounting of what you had in your house. Okay, down to and including your clothes. Now, could you tell people how many pairs of underwear you have, how many shirts you have, how many pants you just, have? I, I would I would lie. I would say like I had, you know, of course, 10 sets of, of gold chain mail. Um, <laughs> Encrusted with semi-precious <laughs> gems, um, I, I really my 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 diamond-studded shirt, uh, my collar tips uh, for my uh, you know I was. Oh, I'm, who could forget? Yeah, everyone would be like, "Bear uh, Adams, is that you?" Um, uh, <laughs> no, it gets to be bad, and that's why if you're again, okay, I'm giving more advice to our listeners: go around your house with your phone and just do a video open drawers and just so you have a complete inventory of what you own because i mean like how do i mean can't you just sort of guesstimate i mean if the stuff's gone they are being real pricks to him about this it's been very very eye-opening to see what what bruce has had to go through to reclaim maybe fair fair value get right with god because he's yeah well (laughs) god like that's really the issue here you know god's (laughs) after him you know, uh, you can blame all you want, but you know, I was I was on the phone with him a, a couple of weeks ago. He says, "I gotta go." I go, "What's going on?" He says, "There's a there's a lightning storm coming oh, through." Fuck. <laughs> oh my god! So now he's just like he's just got to be vigilant, make sure what what's going to get hit next. I go, you know, when you're rebuilding your house, are you going to put in lightning rods? And oh yeah, good like, idea. And he's and he really like, still what? seemed to be mystified by that idea. I'm like, no, what? No, apparently God hates you. Right. In your <laughs> way. Yeah. So put lightning rods on your house and that will make at least that won't be, I mean, it won't stop a tornado from wiping it out. No. And that's next, clearly. Yes. Or or hail the size of cars. Yeah. Something. All right. So before before I lose my <laughs> mind from the pointing uh, people. Yes. So why don't we talk about uh, where we are going in, you know, the, the midterm elections, which we've keep talking about because you know it's fucking super important um less than 70 days away now yeah that's right uh you know 70 shopping days left 
uh, for your before your midterm, uh, you know, election viewing party, um, which uh, and I have said that this is probably the most important midterm of my lifetime. And I know we hear that all the time. But to my way of thinking, uh, given the rise of MAGA, uh, the rise of, of Trump, his control, 90 percent of the, of the candidates he endorsed won their primaries. So coming into this fall, we've got batshit crazy uh, Republicans running for high office. How many of them win uh, will determine the future of the country. And if he has a stellar night, if it's a big night for for Magaland, then I think this country's in profoundly worse shape than even I expected, than Ted and I expected. Right. Um so, you know, now we're looking at so and, and the Abbott uh, slash DeSantis stunts, immigration stunts are, are are clearly ways to energize the base. Abbott is in an election. He's like nine points ahead of, of Beto. I can't believe the Democrats keep nominating that guy. Uh, he keeps losing. He's the Adlai Stevenson of Texas politics. Although, <laughs> yeah, well, no, Adlai Stevenson actually won the governorship of Illinois. He's intelligent. No, it's, it's it's so Abbott's going to win re-election, but so these guys are. And by the way, DeSantis is up for re-election. People forget this; he's running against some nobody, and he's a gazillion points ahead in the polls. So neither of them are going. Which is weird because if I remember correctly, DeSantis won by a sliver mm-hmm. when he won his first term, but now he's going to win by a lot. Um, they're doing this to energize national and get get MAGA people and Republicans, uh, far, far right Republicans out there who, you know, don't like those brown people and and are also aghast that the border is so porous. And I think you can have legitimate concerns about that. Um, I mean, does this play, I mean, has this, has this changed the tilt of the field again, Ted? Because the Democrats had a lot of momentum with the uh, Roe v. Wade decision. Uh, you know, being shot, Roe v. Wade being shut down by the Supreme Court and energizing women voters. I'm wondering if the meanness, I I keep coming back to this, and I think it's, there is an attitudinal component to elections. We all know this, that the meanness is going to energize women a lot, even more. The fact that you've got these, you know, blustering bullies, uh, buffoonish bullies uh, as emblematic of the Republican Party, or am I wrong? Um, you know, I think it's certainly uh, I think that the abortion thing is uh, it, it's it's redolent of uh, it's redolent of of, of, of cruelty. Uh, you know, I think the, the stories of like, for example, and it, it did turn out to be true of the Ohio uh, girl who was raped by her uncle who had to go to Indiana for an abortion that she could not get in Indiana. Now, um, the fact that so many of the abortion restrictions don't have exceptions for the life of the mother or, uh, or, or, or rape or incest, um, you know, there's, there's sort of a, it's mean and unreasonable and, uh, and, and a rigidity that doesn't seem to really reflect, I think, where mainstream Americans really are, uh, even including many Republican voters. Um, so I think that does really hurt Republicans. I, I think that in the aggregate, though, uh, Americans aren't very happy with either party. I mean, basically, the Republicans are mean assholes who don't care about you if you, uh, you know, get an, if you get pregnant or you get sick or you want to send your kid to college or you have a student loan that you can't pay or you lost your job. That's tough shit. That's on you. That sucks. But the Democrats seem out of touch and they're focused on, you know, 
uh, woke shit and uh, identity politics. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and what, you know, what exactly you call, uh, you know, a per- person of a particular gender or whatever. Um, and they're really focused on that stuff, but then they're not, you know, then you have Biden uh, in his 60 Minutes interview this week saying things like, oh, you know, inflation is no longer a, a real issue. And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, well, you know, pe- the people think it's a real issue. Um, and, you know, the prices certainly are uh, a real issue. I mean, he said like, oh, it's, you know, it's been steady, 8.2%. Uh, yeah, it's steady every month. You know, the thing that, that means it's high, it's steady. Doesn't mean the prices are steady. It means the rate of increase is steady. Right, right. That's exactly. the rate of increase is not good. If you're in a car and you're, you, you know, you're, 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 you're going ten miles an hour faster every minute, you're going to crash that car. That's not good. Um, so, uh, I don't think, you know, I think there's this, and I think Biden in general, what he really projects is physical in, and infirmity and therefore incompetence. Yeah. It really feels more like- so. I, if you've seen him lately, like I watched. I mean, lately, the last month. It- he really it's not great. He's feeble and he's unable to keep track of the questions that he's asked, even when they're softball questions. Um, you know, it's it's and, you know, it's very clear that the media is running interference for him. There's no, you know, the, the, Kamala Harris isn't really doing yeoman's work as vice president. It's not like, oh, well, we know we know Kamala's catching, you know, Biden whenever he's slipping. Like, I mean, if that's happening, we're not <laughs> we don't know it. And um so I think there's so I think all that, you know, general generically that the, the atmosphere is still in the because it's a midterm, it this sort of generic we hate both parties pox on both their houses favors the it favors the Republicans because how so? You, well, because they're the party out of power. And and when you're pissed, you vote for the part you vote for the party out of power um, and, and people are pissed. So I think people don't feel heard. Um, I think Republicans are more energized uh, than, and look, if you're, if you're a Republican voter, you've got to be thinking, you've got to be feeling pretty good about like the, the momentum is on your side. I mean, you have a six to three Supreme court. Um, you, you are, uh, you know, you're, you're really seeing a lot of the things that you believe in reflected. Um, you know, it, you see Republican leaders moving in that direction. You see that it's Trump's party and that the old corporatists like uh you know mcconnell are, are sort of getting out of the way or the bushes yeah are, are getting out of the way liz cheney's those people are sort of being defeated and pushed out so you know it's like basically it's it's the democratic equivalent would be like if the bernie and bernie and the squad were running the show how would i be feeling i'd be feeling pretty good um so uh i think you know there's more re- Democrats have fewer reasons to vote Democratic than Republicans have to vote Republican. Yeah, I think in this you're particular right. Particular cycle, so therefore, advantage Republicans, but maybe not by as much as we thought, because abortion is the wild card. Well, I think suburban women who are the only really uh, uncommitted voters uh, can't, and, and you have any hope of flipping. Uh, we'll look at this, and will they come out? And that's why I mentioned the meanness factor. Is that enough to motivate people to vote? That's what is the, really the the core question here: is uh, how do you get motivated to vote? MAGA voters are, on average, nine thousand years old. They don't have anything else to do. They go and vote. Mm-hmm. Um, they just do. And so Democrats are, you know, if the, if, if all the Democratic voters in the country voted, you would have a very different government. Um, I've, how do you feel? I mean, 
this is not what we plan to talk about, but that's the whole point of this podcast. Right. We just do it. Um, yeah. um, and that's uh, in Australia. I was down there with a trip with my family and it happened to be a state election. They have mandatory voting there, which I'd never heard of before. You are literally fined if you do not vote. It's and, uh, and so that what does that do? It means you have a 98 on average, 98 percent voter turnout in Australia. That, you know, and what does that mean? Is it, well, oh, my God, all sorts of horrible, terrible, terrible, awful people would vote. I go, no, but you, you know what you get? You get moderate, you get moderate left, moderate right governments. You know, you don't get crazy swings. You don't get nutbags. Rarely you can, but you, you rarely get nutbags uh, elected to office. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards having mandatory voting here in this country. But by the way, I also want to throw out, Ted, that. For those who say that it was a two-party system and a pox on both their houses, there are options. There really are. I vote libertarian now almost exclusively, almost straight down the ballot. You, I know you vote green when you when you can. But Scott, um, are, I mean, there in uh, in Birmingham, do you have libertarian candidates on the ballot? Like we I, do. In fact, that for the, of, the, a lot of positions. That we there's some really good leadership in the National Libertarian Party. People are going to throw at me. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire has lost its fucking mind. By the way, if you want to see racist Nazi dipshits, somehow they took over the Libertarian Party there. Let's put New Hampshire aside for a minute mm. and just say that yes, we have we have Libertarian options here. And do you? you I'm sure you don't. You, I'm sure you do in New York. Um, well, I sometimes um, more often than not, there's no ballot access here in New York for any third party other than the Working Families Party, uh, which is basically sort of a shell. It used to be sort of a progressive party, and now it's basically a Democratic Party offshoot. If you remember the old New York Liberal Party, it's kind of like that. Uh, and okay. it's basically, they you'll, you'll look at it, and it's this, they'll have the same exact candidates on the ballot as the, de the Democratic nominees for judges and whatever. So there's not really, the truth is, it's a two-party two-party hegemonic duopoly here in New York, and uh, you know certainly you don't see the old, you know, the Green Party has a lot of trouble getting ballot access. I mean, in the last presidential cycle, the Green Party wasn't even able to achieve ballot access for their presidential candidate Howie Hawkins what? for in all fifty states. Um, I don't believe. Wow. Um, wow. So I, I mean. I mean, that, that there ought to be options, but I, I don't know that it's really fair to say that there are. I keep pushing that we have to have more than two parties. We have to have these options. And um, well, yeah, it's not a democracy with two parties. I'm sorry. It's just not. I mean, it's not enough choices. Well, and as Ted Rawl has pointed out, if you followed his work for any length of time, you recognize, and he's right, that there's really not a hell of a lot of difference between the two parties. Oh, that's not true. And there's the niggle little one or two issues where sure. there's differences. There's some but in terms in terms of governing, yeah. are you telling me that Barack Obama governed any differently than George W. Bush? Well, I mean, it's and in, on major issues, I mean, both parties are are uh, very pro-military. You know, there has not been one uh, defense bill that has been voted down in 60 plus years um, since the Vietnam Jesus. War. Um, there's, uh, you know, they usually Congress approves more military spending than the Pentagon actually requests. Um, the, you know, both parties are pro uh, political assassinations like the assassination of bin laden and uh the the uh the gen the uh, general uh, the iranian general in iraq um 
and both parties are pro-free trade. I mean, you know, you could say free trade's a good thing, sure, but, you know, that you can't say that American voters have a choice on this issue because there's no anti-trade, uh, you know, uh, there's no protectionist candidate on the ballot. Um, and, you know, and you, you can just go on and on. I mean, I think, you know, Democrats are not as pro-choice as uh, they let on because when they have the chance to uh, to do right. something about it, they don't. Republicans are not, maybe in the past, were not as pro-life as they let on um, because when they had a chance, they didn't always do something about it. Um, you know, now they're kind of like the Supreme Court put them in a position where they're forced to do something about it. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I it's, uh, look, obviously I, I could go on and on and I do. <laughs> <laughs> we do, but let's not. Let's call it let's a day. Not. Let's call it a day. So, Scott, where can uh, all the good listeners of DMZ America uh, find your work uh, when they're not listening to our podcast? If you're not listening to the podcast, you can do both, actually. You can listen and look at my work by going to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis, one word. That's gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis or gocomics.com slash Prickly City, which is my fabulous comic strip political comic strip you might enjoy uh you can also go to chicagotribune.com slash opinion and see a gallery of the work i do for them i have a very funny cartoon today by the way i just love the drawing sometimes you do the drawing and you just go yeah okay that's that's funny i love that uh so that's chicagotribune.com slash opinion or a new client hooray go to the dallas morning news or it's dallas news which is the website for the dallas morning news dallasnews.com slash opinion and you can see my cartoons i draw for them all right. Awesome. I'm looking and forward to how about to you, Ted? Where can we see your forward stuff? to seeing your Dallas stuff? Uh, I assume Governor uh, Abbott may make an appearance from time to he time. May, in there. He may wheel in. <laughs> uh, I mean, I almost feel sorry for him. By the way, what's with the fact that he I was looking at um I was trying to looking at photo references of Governor Abbott, and I was like, is wait, is that Bush? Is that George W? Because I mean they kind of facially look a little bit yeah they look really similar i mean like what's it with texas like their governors all have to have a certain squinty-eyed look i mean what's it's a very look? bright very harsh sun in texas yeah okay fair enough all right um <laughs> so yeah in my case you can go to my website rawl.com r-a-l-l you can go to gocomics.com slash ted rawl you could go to whowhatwhy.org, uh, read it every day, but I'm in there on Saturdays. It's actually a really good website. And sputniknews.com, which is, yes, Russian state media. Be scared. Be very, very afraid. Uh, anyway, listen uh, listen to the DMZ America podcast. You can also check out the uh, back episodes. And uh, sometimes that's well worth doing because, you know, we're, we were better in the past than we are now. So... <laughs> No, never better, Ted. Go for the nostalgia. You know, we get the clicks regardless. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, there's a whole archive there. Um, Scott, always a pleasure. Uh, Thank you, everybody. We'll check you out next week unless uh, we are, unless something breaks before then, like, say, the entire country, the entire world. Um, Anyway, talk to you (laughs) next week. And I'm sure you and I will talk offline before then, Scott. Au revoir. A bientôt. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.